Welcome to the Make It Work podcast, brought to you by the team behind EpicWorks.com. Together with our guests, we are exploring everything that goes into building and running significantly impactful businesses in the modern era. This podcast is all about technology, product management, business, and leadership. Our goal is to learn from the best in the industry and be at the forefront of the new wave of startups that are not just successful businesses, but also great places to work at. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of the new Make It Work podcast. My guest today is Adeline Lee. Adele, um, as we call her, has an illustrious career. Um, she started off as a product person. Um, she went on to be a director um, at Telenor Group. She was director of growth marketing um, and monetization at Clue. Uh, she's been an advisor um, and venture partner at Antler. And most recently, she is now the head of product at Vitamin. Um, in this career, Adele has mixed marketing and product management um, very fluently, uh, and we're going to talk a lot about that. So, Adele, welcome to the show. Thank you, Balash, for inviting me. It's really, really nice to be here. I just gave a brief intro about your journey. Why don't you tell us a bit more about how it started and how you went through all these different career paths in multiple countries? Well, um, this is a long story, actually. Um, the multiple career path, let's put it this way. It started all with me. Um, you know, I started off in a very corporate, corporate, corporate career in Malaysia. And, you know, after a while, being in that space, um, some people might say like, oh yeah, you might have landed with the kind of dream career everybody is thinking about. Corporate, climbing the corporate ladder, um, traveling, going to multiple countries. But for me, it felt like, you know, it sounds again very cliche, but something was kind of missing. I mean, you work for a big company, you earn a lot of money, you tend to reach your goals um, or like whatever the company goals are, but it is the company goals and you don't really see how that does that actually change your life? How does that really impact you? Um, and etc. And the turning point was really after six to seven years in, in that career, I was like the most logical or the most natural progression is like startups. I mean, it's because startups offer you the possibility of building things from the ground up. And of course, startups are in many different stages, right? Some startups are a bit more mature, but you are so much closer to building the product itself, understanding the users and driving that value versus when you're in a corporate company, it's like, it could be already a hundred years old, um, 50 years old and everything they are doing, it's very, very defined and you really can't change much. So it felt to me like startup was the right calling. And, and what I did was I took a year off, um, kind of my startup career started with me going back to business school because it felt like, okay, if I'm going to kind of purge the whole corporate thing, let's then reframe, re-educate myself. Um, so I came to Berlin, I took an MBA, MBA here. Um, met a lot of great friends, but also had the opportunity to kind of explore the city, right? Um, 2012, I think it was then, almost 10 years now. So 2012 is the time. Um, startup scene in Berlin um, was still pretty new. Um, the gaming industry was pretty much in the centerpiece, but not so much everything else. And I did my MBA 
had a lot of fun. And after I graduated, I asked myself, so what do I do now? How do I get into startups? Um, so it was not any easy task because everybody who looked at me were like, great corporate career will definitely fail in startups. What makes you think that you came from another continent now in Europe and, you know, knocking on the doors, trying to ask for a new uh, job, same role, product. I was very focused on that. Um, but they were like, we've seen so many people fail. Like all these corporate people who claim they didn't want to go to startup feels like, you know, they are in a fad. They just want to follow the wave. Um, so it was not that easy, but I got very fortunate to meet um, the founders of Clue. And I think it was a bit of a combination of my experience, but also, um, yeah, I think it's that combination and I guess their willingness to also give me an opportunity, right? Um, and and that's where I landed my first startup role. And I spent quite a lot of time there and I got to know myself a lot more about what I like, what I don't like about startups and how can I um, bring different value, right? Because in corporates, it's always like, that's a revenue number, hit it and you're done. In startups, that's really not the case. It's like things changes all the time. And you just need to like figure out what is needed and how to succeed at that point because it's never about a number. Um, startups goes up and down, changes. And yeah, so um, yeah, that's the first part of my startup. Your question is very, very simple, but I have a long answer. So yeah, that's clue that I kind of started out my whole journey in in, in startups, um, I got to do a, a bunch of different things. I call myself a product generalist there. So I touch product, I touch partially product marketing as well. I touch growth, I touch monetization, kind of all the different verticals as you can think about within product. And that's why um, I would say like this first opportunity was actually pretty monumental to my startup career because like it really plastered a lot of experience that I needed for the next role. Um, yeah, and I was thinking, um, what can I tell you more? Um, a lot of things that got me to this point. Um, what else? Then after that, I decided, hey, I got a lot of experience from Clue with regards of um, the product marketing part, the growth part. I joined Framer. Probably most people also know here. Framer is a design software. They started off as a prototyping software. And then in 20... 17, I guess, um, I'm, 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 I'm kind of old right now, so I'm not trying to use years, but after my clue experience, I was asking myself, how can I now apply my experience in a very different field, a very different industry and, you know, kind of challenge my personal boundaries of, of product development or like just thinking about startups. Right. Um, so yeah, Framer came about and they were looking for the director of growth. And again, the word growth here encompasses a lot of things, right? It's a combination of um, CRM. It's a combination of like, how do you think of like revenue? How do you think about um, growth hacks? How do you think about making sure the users know exactly what you offer? A lot of different things that kind of like come together there. And and that's really part of my, my role there as well. Um, and yeah, it was a really cool journey because it was B2B to C and Clue was B2C. So it was about getting one user at a time. And with Framer, it is not just about getting one user at a time, but also like 
the end users are designers, but the people who actually pay for all of this is the companies, right? So in the end, you have actually two different stakeholders you need to convince. Number one, you need to convince that the product is great to designers. And then you need to convince the organizations that it's worth switching from something else they were using. So um, that role was, again, um, different, but, you know, I like that. And after that, I also did, again, you will see a trend here that I almost never returned to industries I, I worked in. It is by design, not because I don't like them. I love um, health. I love design. And I think I find different passion points as I do different things. But I'm also asking myself, right, as I as I mature as a product person, do I really want to specialize in an area? And, I'm, and most of the time I'm like, no, not really. I'm like, I get very intrigued with other areas and other areas tend to keep me like on my toes um, because every time I go into a new industry, I need to learn. And when I learn, I feel like I'm kind of refreshing myself again. It's kind of like a new MBA school, going in, learning new things, um, but always asking like, how did I apply the things that I already know, right? Can it, can it be applicable? And the answer has always been yes, absolutely if you want to. Um, then let me just fast forward a little bit. So there's a couple of things I did in between, but um, all of that basically threads to where I am today. So today I'm head of product at Vitamin. Vitamin is a fintech company here in Berlin. Um, the goal or like the vision of Vitamin is to power strong financial future. That's our tagline, power strong financial futures. How do we power strong financial futures? Um, and we are very focused as well to a specific target group. So it's not about everybody. And we are not trying to discriminate saying that men or women should should um, have different futures. But we also do believe that at the moment, um, the segment that's really underserved is women. Um, the topic of finance and growing wealth feels very inaccessible to those that group because it feels like it's a man thing. Ask your partner, ask your girlfriend, sister, most of the time they feel like if they have a financial role model, it is always a male person. It's because they're like, like my dad, my brother, my whoever, my guy friend is like, they know their thing. And, you know, sometimes they don't even, the male counterpart might not even know it that well, but we just tend to believe that's the case. And so that's what vitamin is striving to do, that um, finance is not just for for men or like, um, but women too can, can do it themselves. And they, that there's a lot of this information is accessible. The only problem we see is that the product that has been built is very, very catered to the male, how is it, mentality. Um, even of, of course, all the products is, is, is gender neutral, whoever, whomever wanted can do it. Um, and our biggest thesis is because females, or women tend to think about finance very, very differently compared to male. Um, and again, I'm not generalizing. I'm just saying, think about a time when you ask a female person and, you know, they say like, I want to be a multi-billionaire for no reason. Uh, most of the time, they're very goal-oriented. They think of like, hey, I want to retire in 20 years. I want to have a house in, I don't know, in some this remote island, maybe with a yacht or whatever. And that's probably how they describe it, not in terms of monetary number, but like how that goal could look like. And 
if you think of a male counterpart, they are more likely to say the the value of like amount. Like I want to be a millionaire. I want to, and what does that mean? I don't know yet. Um, but it's okay. I can have a lot of money in my account. I'll go figure it out later. And just because of that very simple difference, the way that financial products are being catered is right now is very focused on monetary value and less of like how do you achieve your goal because maybe you don't need maybe you just need five years to get there and and you're completely financially free and and they just don't know how to get there because they don't ask the right questions as well so yeah that's that's where vitamin comes in we want to redefine reimagine how fintech could be especially for women and really taking into the consideration that women do think very differently about money. And yeah, that's that's a little bit a quick introduction of how I got to where I am today. Um, a little bit of my journey. Wow, it's quite a journey and um, there's so much to unpack there, but um, let's start with vitamin first. Um, it, it's very interesting what you just shared. So it sounds like um, for, for men in general, um, financial success is about status whereas for women it's more about uh, achieving a certain goal is this something um um that is backed by any science or your research or um because part of me says this sounds very much like um the the american way of thinking about business you know just grow 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 and amass a lot of wealth um, but if i think about myself I want to have financial success, but I want to have that house. That's that's why I want that financial success. Or I want to contribute to um, the the different causes that I'm interested in. Um, is there an overlap or is the distinction really strong there? I would say that, okay, so your first question, like, um, is my statement backed by science or or research? I would say it's not backed by any science because there's so little research done by, like, large organization about this topic per se, especially with the gendered piece. Um, but we have done our own research and we've talked right. to different women. Um, I kind of draw some of the attention to, to goals, but to be honest, that's just one of many things that differentiates how women and men think about money. I think women tend to also think, I mean, as general population, again, I mean, there's different, there's very successful women who's investing, they know their thing. But I'm just saying that a majority of the population feels that this topic is really inaccessible because they feel like it's so far away. So one of the, re like I said, goals are one good way to say like, this is how they think differently. But the other thing about the idea of finance that I do want to um, drill into, and that came also along with the research, is that they feel like, women feel like they need to know a lot in order to make their first move in terms of making their first right. financial kind of investment or like decision. They feel like, you know, it's money, it's money I've earned. And, you know, I need to know exactly what's happening and it's great. And it's great personality and great um, traits for women. But then that is also the trait that stops a lot of them from doing nothing because they are like, I don't think I'm ever ready because it's so difficult. There's too much things I need to learn. So I'm going to postpone it and wait and wait and wait and wait. And the irony about, um, wealth generational wealth growth is really about being very very long term you need to start early because the earlier you start the better chances of you to kind of be able to kind of um, grow your wealth because it is about markets up and down you're not we are not about we are not day traders where we are looking at the market 
every day and trying to sell, buy and sell when something goes up and down. So um, those are kind of a few things that really stood out for us when we, we think about the differences. So the goals part is one thing and then the depth of knowledge, which then drives the confidence. Um, so most women, when you ask them like, oh, you've invested, so how how good you feel about it? They are like, oh, I don't really feel like I know. So like, but then if you ask men who like don't know anything and they've invested in one thing, they're like, oh my God, I'm a hero. I've done this. I have so many um, investments. Um, so just the mindset itself and just, I think by virtue of personality, it is so different. And so um, it takes so much longer for women to get started. But the moment they get started, they, they find that confidence. They find the right uh, moment for them to get started. Then they are they are better investors because first of all they are risk adverse. They made so much research, so they are not doing things blindly. They are like I know everything I need to know. But the point from getting knowing and starting is so big the gap, and I think that's actually what Vitamin is trying to to bridge that gap because we said like women take too much time, and by the time they start, it's kind of of course nobody said it's too late, but you would have saved so much more or like earned so much more if you could have just started. Um, and what I want to say, maybe um, right. for some of the female listeners or male listeners, it's, you don't need to know that much. That's the, that's the irony. You don't need to know that much to get started. You just need to know the right things to get started. And most of the time when we do our research as well, when we talk to our users, the moment they feel like, okay, now that you told me this, like, oh, I'm going to do it now. And we were like, so what exactly was it? It's just like, I just needed some reassurance that was fine. So I think that's what, that's the part that we are trying to also digitalize. Right. So again, lots to unpack there. Um, and let me see if I can formulate yeah. my question um, well enough. Um, I, I picked out two parts there. One is um, when you have somebody who has a um, desire to do something, but has zero experience there, right? That stops them. The intention is there, but the ex lack of knowledge stops them. And then you have another part where somebody doesn't even know that it's possible. So the, the, even the intention or awareness is not there. Uh, and if you think about women in finance or in general in, in Korea, there's um, a crazy lack of participation, obviously permeated or fostered by the social systems that we have had. So now when I think about vitamin and, and what you're doing, are you addressing both of these parts that for women it is possible to do things and then how to go about it once the, the intention is there? So it, is it awareness activation or education as well as um, methodologies or it's more about I want to do it but I don't know how so now I'm, I'm going to go to a vitamin and learn from there? So I love that you asked this question. Uh, we ask ourselves this question very deeply as well because the further we go, like you said, if somebody who is not aware, um, it, they are further from this journey than somebody who's aware but don't know what to do. And and we have, I would say, like we have um, created multiple personas that, that falls into diff different categories. And I think at this point, um, I'll be super honest, we are definitely very focused on the people or the users that have some idea about finance i mean like they might still feel like this is very inaccessible but have intent um because they are so much closer to getting to the finishing line again we can also say like there are another right. group of people who already had intent for a while researched it um just never took the next step because they were just 
like I said, so frozen with this um, wealth of information. Those who are also one group of users that we've spoken to, they are like, you know, well-educated, well-earning, they have enough savings. Those are the people who have like, you know, tons of money in their savings account, not knowing what to do. And year after year passes by. And, you know, it was nice to look at the numbers increase, but basically the num like, you know, with the current inflation rates increasing, their money is really um, in reality losing value. So those are kind of the groups that we've been thinking about. But I would say at the moment, we are pretty much focused on building a product that fits users that have intent and, you know, guiding them through that process. So the creating awareness part for users that doesn't know the topic itself feels a little bit more longer term. And I wouldn't say it's not part of a strategy, but it just feels a little bit too much further um, from where we are building right now. Right. So for any product, obviously, this could be useful for everybody um, all over the globe. But I'm assuming you're targeting a certain geography and you're based in Berlin. Um, could you tell us a bit more about the geography? And then uh, the follow up question will be, where do you see at what stage do you see your target audience? Um, um, if it is in Europe or wherever, wherever it is, um, what, what's the um, what's the main issues that they are facing? Where my target audience, um, well, I think the most obvious answer would be we are Berlin based um, and we want to start with our home based country, which is Germany. So that's where we are starting. That's our starting point. Um, and our starting point by no means mean our ending point as well. So um, I can't say too much about future strategies, but I mean, the dream is that finance is borderless, right? Um, the concept doesn't really change except the way you think about your money um, because the way you invest is also similar and the instruments that you have wherever you are are similar. So it, it doesn't need localization in that sense except for, of course, the education part or the the learning part. Um, so I guess the, the little, um, uh, little information I can say is like, of course, we want to start in Germany. We want to make sure we build our presence in one market strongly, understanding how we can build a product, which is very stable, very, very um, scalable. But by no means, it means that we're going to only be in one market. Let's put it this way. Of course. So I don't want to prod too much and um, you can only share as much as you want to share. Um, uh, I asked this question because um, I grew up in Pakistan and I didn't grow up in a business oriented family, right? So for a long time, I didn't even have the intention or the awareness. Uh, and when I moved to Germany 10 years ago, um, I kind of started to build, build up that awareness that it's possible that, um, you know, you could um, invest in a startup or it was starting with investing in myself. And then out of that came all these different ideas, uh, kind of choosing the right startup is a career investment. Um, literally uh, investing money is another way to do this or um, trading in stocks. Um, and along the way, I've se seen all sorts of uh, options people have here. But funnily, um, two years ago when I started Epic Quirks, um, one of the first things that hit me was that I had this huge barrier against bureaucracy uh, and Germany is uh, very special when it comes to that, right? Mm -hmm. So kind of just setting up the company and the upfront capital it required almost put me off, but I'm glad I did that. And then last year I started um, um, 
trading stocks with a very little amount of money because I, one, I don't fully understand that part. And two, um, again, it was kind of, um, oh, if you want to trade stocks in Germany, you have to understand the laws and the taxation. And a lot of people were using some apps from uh, Netherlands and I didn't want to go through that part and setting up an offshore account weirdly. Um, so I waited until Trade Republic came along and I put some money in there and they take out the taxes. So it's, it's kind of like... Um, um, my lack of understanding um, and um, the barriers that were there really kept me back because um, I had the money uh, and I could still spend more money on this had I started five years ago. Um, just the Tesla stock would have um, given me a lot or Bitcoin. Um, but these are things that stop me. Now, if this is me who has been working in startups and has a lot of that surrounding, what barriers are women facing in Germany right now? Uh, when it comes to putting their money to work or, or upskating or, or getting that experience? I can tell you, first things first, um, for women, the barrier is the starting point. Um, the awareness is one thing. And the in our research, a lot of the women that we speak to, they're like, I know I need to do it. I know it's important. I know I'm losing time, but I don't know where to start. And, you know, this question seems so right. simple and this, I don't know where to start is because there is so many options. And then it's not that they are not educated enough to Google and then they Google and then they find hundreds more options and exactly kind of like your situation, you're more, um, you're, you're stopped a little bit from the bureaucracy part, but for them, it's like, I don't even know where to start. Do I do stocks? Do I do real estate? Do I do crypto? Do I go for ETFs? There's so many different uh, we call them asset classes, different forms of possible invest investments. And all these different investments come with different risks. And they are like, oh, but then now crypto is so popular, but, you know, it feels like it's also very volatile. I don't know what to do. So most of the barrier comes from too many options, to be honest. And nobody or none of the products today is really focused on holistically offering everything. And... It's fine, um, but because they offer very specific things that like you said, yeah, you go to Trade Republic and you buy stocks. And the question is, I'm going to ask you, so which stocks have you, what helped you decide which stocks to buy? So even if somebody has decided, okay, I want to do stock trading, then you need to do a bunch more of research. Like, okay, now do I want to buy stock X, stock Y, stock Z? I like company X, Y, Z, but I don't know if their stock is performing. All these different questions. So it's really, number one, the starting point is like, First, which option should I get into first? And nobody's asking, right? Um, you go to Trade Republic, they're not asking you like, hey, how are you thinking about your life? Are you a very, I mean, of course, they, most platforms ask you, how's your risk appetite? So that they can offer you certain kind of selection. But nobody's really asking you these questions and kind of asking you to think from all the options that's available. So the starting point seems to be the barrier. Um, it's not about the knowledge and it's not about availability of information. And it's also not about availability of product. It's just that too much information, too many products. And how would I know where to go? Um, I think that is the biggest barrier for women. And yeah, and I think that kind of like presses down the confidence, right? It's like now I have so many things. I don't know where to go. Um, and again, then there's the fear of like, if I do this one, will 
like yeah i think i think there's just so many question marks that let, leads to no answer so then it's either they either take the plunge and just try one and then again that's the question right to get to this first one that barrier feels so high and then there's so much decision making still even if you say i decide to do crypto then okay which one should i go polka dot should i go bitcoin do i do uh, ethereum all different questions if i don't know anything about crypto how would i know what should i go into so same question no answers for them and they they feel very stuck so i think kind of guiding i guess the barrier is like yeah they just don't know where to start because there's simply too many options today yeah um it sounds like it speaks a lot about um risk management obviously minimizing the risk but there's taking it as well at the same time and the other part is um how you think about risk right so um if you have unlimited amount of money and you are a financial wizard you um your risk management strategy is very different you know um if you are a person living at a home having a job um you don't have unlimited amount of money um you're thinking very differently about risk and how you will manage that risk um how does that uh, how much part does that play into um what what you're doing um i'm i'm just going to keep talking until you tell me to shut up and you formulate your answer because for me um for example um in the beginning i went for apple, apple and tesla right two companies mm-hmm. i admire uh, i didn't know much about um the stocks world so i was like you know what at least if these I know that they will to some extent be successful and if they fail the probably anything else I invest in in might also fail. You know, a very crude way of thinking about risk. Uh and then I put in um only a thousand euro and then I upped it by a little amount because I lost money right away. You know, I bought Tesla mm-hmm. um at the at the high point and then you know uh, I bought the dip. Um so um it was kind of um me trying to to think how how do i think about risk here you know um and i went for the um the lowest common denominator worst case i lose all this money um in one year um and i'm not going to put in more i'm just going to observe and see um how how my mind works about this um how how do people think about risk um do you when when you talk about the the barrier or that starting point um is the biggest problem um is that where you help them think about risk differently or do you help them find something safe enough so that they can take their first step good question very deep um so the risk part is very tied to um people worrying about losing money so people if you ask normally i mean now you use the word risk even i don't really use in my financial vocabulary how risky are you because everybody can say i'm very risky and you're very risky and my very risky is too very risky very different because there is no um how is it uh, a thermometer saying that if you're number 10 it means that um this is this is a risk level there is no measurement of risk but of course um at the moment there is different ways to kind of normalize what your risk appetite is I would say is risk a barrier to our users? Yes, they are worried about losing their money. And the irony is you need to think about wealth generation as not a short-term thing. I think that's what we are trying to educate users is like if you think 
that investing or like growing money is about the short term, meaning buy and sell. Like again, that is like for people who does that as a career. You're a day trader. You you know the ins and out. You when you know exactly when the market is up. You know when the market is down, and you're willing to put like all in and then go out at the right time. Like who has time for that? I mean, like you know, a general population would be. You need to know that risk is a factor. Oh, I said that risk is like how much are you willing to. How much, yeah, um, is your comfort level when you see the market go up and down? Let's put it this way. So your risk tolerance is like, if you're not willing to take risk, it's like you're not willing to see your money, you, you are not willing to see yourself losing money. But the point is, um, and this is historical, that for, of course, certain kind of investments, they are safer investments and they are more riskier investments. I think I would say like for crypto, it hasn't stabilized yet. Of course, you can see if you talk about long-term and you don't care about the in-between fluctuation, it is, it has got, been going up perpetually, as in like it has dropped, but if you did go in from the very beginning, you still wouldn't, and you have waited at all the points it has fallen 50%, 200%, whatever, it has still gone up, as in, so in the general trend, it has gone up, but the question is, if of course you bought on the very super duper picked of peak time it is down now it is very rate are you willing to um how do you feel about that that is risk a little bit like how can how long dare you wait and can you feel comfortable when something is is not going up and that's how maybe i'm not saying this in a finance way and some fintech or finance person is gonna strangle me the way i see risk is like yeah your appetite of like seeing things go up and down and if you feel very uncomfortable when something goes down, 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 and you're not sure when it's going to go up, then your risk appetite is very low. And if you feel like, you're, if you say you're a risky person, basically the way I think about it is you're risking a sense where you're willing to go in, see it go down and still say like, it's fine, I'm going to be okay. I understand the market goes up and down, I'm willing to wait. So that's why I say risk is your appetite of like up and down. But if you know enough, you feel a little bit more comfortable as well. Because in the end, wealth generation or like investment, I see it as a long-term thing. Because if you see in almost all different asset or investment classes, um, the ones that are very, very long-term driven, it's always going up. Of course, stock is the volatile one because you can't say that um, all stock, all companies has just gone up. There are companies that went bankrupt. So that's that's where the volatility, right? That's why you bet on the companies you know. And if you are really a risky person, you tend to buy things that you don't know in hopes that it's speculating and you earn. So I think that's how I want to describe risk. And risk is definitely also another barrier. So again, I, I, I didn't, you asked me about, top barriers. I think the first one, as I already mentioned and described quite in detail is don't know where to start. And then there's, a, then you unpack that further. Then there's the risk part because they don't know for all these different things, which one is more risky because you will hear your father or your brother or some distant relative, they went into some stocks and then they lost their entire life savings because, you know, that company went bankrupt. And then from there, it's kind of like a scarred thing, but you know, um, People have these different experiences and, and that kind of scares them. But those people who, I guess, who in the end really lost money is, my question to them is, did they really understand what they were doing? And I think that's the 
<clears throat> the bigger question that we are also trying to solve with vitamin that I always want to say we want to teach it's not about you know the analogy about if you want somebody to survive you teach them how to fish not give them the fish so I think a lot of the current products right now is like okay this is it take it don't ask any more questions and so then it became a situation where even if I don't know about this I'm like I I would say that yeah, you're going in blindly, not knowing what exactly the variables, the the risk that is this attached to a particular um, investment. And then when if something crashes, then it crashes, you don't know what to do with it. And what I hope or like what we are dreaming at Vitamin is really what I say. We are teaching our users how to fish so that they can decide what kind of bait they want to use, what kind of fish they want to, to catch. Um, is it a big fish, small fish, yellow fish, whatever fish? they will get a fish, however bait is tailored to them. But they exactly know what are the variables, what are the options they have, and they understand them. And, you know, if if things go badly and you just need to eat, it doesn't matter what fish you catch, you just need to know how to catch it, and then you'll be fine. So I think that's maybe to simplify a little bit, that's a little bit where we see vitamin as well. Like, it is not about dumping down information in hopes that we get more people to invest, not knowing what they are doing, but really also for them to really have a really simple understanding. Again, not dumping down, but like enough to get them mm-hmm. started and enough for them to consider all the things that's required for them to consider. If something goes wrong, I know what to do. Wow. So, um, I didn't just buy the dip on Tesla. I bought the dip on Xiaomi. I bought the dip on Airbnb <laughs> and um, I screwed up right, right, already. Um, um, the investment is doing well enough right now, um, but um, I can't wait for vitamin to be open to men as well. Cause um, <laughs> I, I would love to learn a lot more. I, I'm your typical, the, the guy who had the intent and went in blindly. So I want to jump on that. I like that you mentioned that. So while we say that we are building this product for women, I mean, there is subtleties, right? That differentiates, like I said, the psychology and the way that women think about finance. And so we are intentional to say that, you know, the way that our solution things is definitely more tailored to women, but by no means um, we are like stopping men from using it because we believe that there are men who also might feel the same way, just, just the same way that, all the financial products out there, women is still investing. It's not that women is not investing. It's just not enough women is investing because it doesn't speak to them naturally. So I believe that vitamin as a product would also appeal to a segment of men who is just thinking about finance very differently as well. So that by no means um, deter them from joining. But what we are saying is that definitely the way that we are tackling uh, a lot of the the product thinking is definitely focused on women and we are not embarrassed to say it, but, um, and yeah, we are happy to kind of embrace that. But if, uh, if men is finding this resonating with them, by all means, please, um, come and join and, and use us. So let's switch gears a bit. Um, you are building a FinTech from scratch. Um, how, um, how has that changed since you started? Uh, what are all the things that you have uh, busied yourself with? Yeah, simple question, very um, long answer again. Um, building a fintech from scratch is no easy task um, because there's just so many things 
tied to it is you're not just doing you're not just building technology right so with fintech especially in germany fintech is a very regulated space so that's something that we knew from the get-go but that is not the barrier for us to enter the the space um we believe that you know this is definitely an opportunity that is really um ripe and you know we want to tackle this the founders andrea and artyom um you know, when they told me about vitamin, I was definitely very convinced with with the problem space. And as a product person, for me, I absolutely resonated with this problem myself. Um, what has happened from from then till now? Actually, vitamin is super young. We are only about a year plus old. So vitamin race is pre-seed round last, early last year. So till now, it's just, yeah, just slightly over a year. And from then till now, what we have done, um, we've built our couple first MVPs. I call them only, it's not a fintech product, it's a tech product. And the fintech stuff is still behind the scenes. Uh, we needed to figure out regulation pieces. We need to figure out what kind of product that we want to offer first into the market. And we needed to f- figure out how can we bring that to our first market, which is Germany. We are thinking a lot about what kind of technologies we want to use in order to build this. So a lot of um, a combination of technology question, product questions, and also making sure that we pick the right partners in order to get this started, right? So it's an, a very rare opportunity. You don't come in, it's like banks always have legacy systems and you know it's painful, it's 20 years old, changing something is so difficult. So here the different, the challenge is like, so now you have a blank slate of paper, an empty canvas. Where do you start? And that's precisely what we've been asking ourselves the last year. And, you know, as we take that journey, we have to basically figure out different different things. Um, I think we've gotten a lot further right now. Like I said, as, as I was mentioning, we've built our initial MVPs. We spoke to a lot of people. Um, we understand the market a lot better. We understand the kind of capabilities of the different fintech solutions and also instruments. Um, But I think we are in the beginning of the journey, as I mentioned. Um, We are not even close to even being ready. Um, I would say it's super fun. So at the moment, it's just a lot of unknowns, a lot of uncertainty in terms of different things um but it's all fun let's let's put it this way um a lot of just questioning yourself asking how can we change the status quo is there a way for us to make things better than it is and i think that that's the part that i really enjoy myself the most as a product person right because remember the m26 or the revolut five six years ago they completely disrupted the whole banking system and we believe the same will happen as well with investing and the topic of you know wealth generation so we have that opportunity right now and i think it's pretty exciting so different at every step that we are building our product we are always asking how can we disrupt this how can we make this better how can we make this simpler so yeah building a fintech from scratch probably not as difficult as you think um, but can we make the experience even better than it is? That's the hard question, actually. And we are still in progress. 
Sweet. So um, I want to um, perhaps um, look into um, what is the difference between any other product and what you are doing. So just to draw a parallel, when we started EpicWorks, um, we were a very engineering heavy team. Um, and I've worked as an engineer in the past, so that comes naturally to me. Um, so it was very much product building. And then over time, we started to add the marketing piece to it. Um, and we did a fair bit of user research in the beginning, and we have continued that part um, a bit. But those were like the, the three main things. And um, now we are coming to a point where we want to uh, up the marketing game and bring in a bit more sales, for example. It's, it's mainly a B2B um, or could be also a B2C product. Now, when I think about um, Vitamin, um, I'm wondering how much time does product development, the tech questions you mentioned, takes um, versus uh, user research versus um, marketing. Is that something you started from get-go? Um, um, the go-to-market strategy and the partnerships and so on. Um, what are what are the different big teams within your work where you lead them or interact with other people in the company? Um, nice question. Um, so for me, with my role, we are definitely focused on the whole product development research piece. And I would say you asked me how important is the research part versus product development tech. Research for us is as important. Um, I wouldn't say, I'm, I'm not trying to compare tech and research. I'm, what we are trying to say is that we put equal emphasis that we need to do research before we decide we want to do something. It's not about based on intuition because we, again, we are not a B2B product, right? So if you are a B2B product, you always have a problem you want to solve and it's fine. It doesn't need to be beautiful. It doesn't need to like speak a certain language. It just needs to work. For a B2C product, however, and again, here with a lot of barriers in the minds of our users, we really need to understand how do we solve the problem in our minds of the users because they don't even, some of them don't even know, they can tell you what their barriers are, but they don't even know how to solve them. And we need to think of really smart ways how to tackle them. And then that's when technology comes in, right? So, so that's how we see it. Technology is a very, very critical part in the whole piece, but it's not just about finding the best technology. That's why I said, we're not building a fintech, which is putting all fintech capabilities and then we are done. And then, you know, people are just going to come and use us because we say that, that is just scratching the surface of the water because what is really hard and what um, gets people to vitamin is like, how do we solve their barriers in a way where they can use the technology eventually? Because like I said, there's a hundred more competitors that offer maybe something similar, um, but articulated very, very differently. So, and that's why research is important because we really need to understand does our ideas and does our concept solve the barriers of our our users? And then, of course, technology is is a strong um, part to that to deliver that. Um, but we are we are thinking of that as everything goes. I would say that we we at Vitamin almost nothing goes untested before it goes into development. So we are definitely strong in research, making sure that we solve a user problem first, then we build. And to switch gears on the other question you asked about what about marketing? So good one. Um, it is always 
a hard one to answer because what is more important, right? Is it marketing first? Um, do you want to put your, do you build marketing team before you have product? Because right now we are still building the product. So at Vitamin, we have taken the route of we will build the brand along while we build the product. Because again, finance, understanding the barriers. Women is also very about all these sketchy, dodgy things. Um, you know, there's, there's so many pyramid schemes um, and etc. And people got conned, people got ripped off. So building trust is very, very important um, component as an organization. And we believe that is part of the brand building. And that means that while we are building the product, we also want to make sure that users are aware of us. Um, users are aware of what we communicate about the topic, um, how we think about the topic, because that's part of, of our identity. So in a nutshell, um, while we are not doing a lot of marketing per se, we, we do work with partnerships, we do work with the branding piece because we do believe that that does create credibility that we are here for the long game. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please follow the podcast and share it with your friends.